Well, 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 here we are, a special edition of Straight Red. And what was that you said last podcast, Ewan? Unless something absolutely ridiculous happens over the next few weeks and we have to be drawn into this glass office over Christmas, away from our Christmas festivities, you will not hear from us until 2020. Well, that was what you ended podcast number 19 with you in, supposedly our last of the year. But I think you cursed us because, well, here we are again. And so welcome to podcast 20, unfortunately in 2019, but a special edition. So I think very much worth it. Now, I don't want to dig up the past again because it feels like, and you feel this as well, Ewan, like the dust has settled a little bit since um, the Port Vale game on Saturday. But essentially, this podcast was created through the news of Kelly Durham's dismissal from the club. She, of course, is or was the director of operations at the club. The dismissal, well, that did seem to be in somewhat unjust way. So many stories have followed since the news of Kelly's dismissal. Questions around financial stability of the club, Hong Kong Paul pulling out of the funding for the training ground. The owners seem to be replacing the core local team with their own men from Turkey. And the whole frustration from staff last week threatening a walkout. Last week was super busy for me. So in interest of of clarity and transparency, I just want to say that I have vaguely followed from afar. But Ewan is really our man this evening who's going to be taking us through in-depth information and analysis on, on what went on last week. But before we do focus on any of the topics in particular, Ewan, you have a timeline of events to take us through this whole thing chronologically um i think you summed that up really well it, it's it's been a crazy six days and it already seems like quite a long time has passed and as you mentioned since saturday um although we didn't get a win it was a half decent performance nil nil um another clean sheet from glenn morris and the team although no scoring goals so it, it feels like it's settled slightly but so many conversations have come from Kelly's sacking that they're going to rumble on for a little bit of time so when I woke up this morning I thought oh do we still do this podcast but then I thought you know what so many stories have um, developed and are going to run for a a big length of time we've got to do a timeline discuss the uh, read and go through the big questions that have come from it and just have a little look into the future and where we go in 2020 so I have got a timeline I've tried my best to put this together absolutely chronologically for you Jonathan and and, uh, anybody listening who doesn't understand the entire timeline are you ready yes no let's go for it right first of all Tuesday the 10th of December is when this all started right we sort of myself I suppose heard rumors early morning Tuesday the 10th that um, Kelly was going to be dismissed now when we put a tweet out, or I put a tweet out, I didn't mention Kelly's name because I didn't think that was right at the first point. Um, but we just said, heard rumours there's going to be a, a dismissal at some point today. And if it's who we think it might be, it's important there's going to be a club statement coming out quite clearly because it is a big dismissal, of course. So we put a tweet out saying, hearing rumours, um, keep your eye on the club website for updates. People immediately assumed it might have been Edu or maybe Jimmy was officially leaving, that kind of thing. I don't think people's attention went straight to the, the centre of the office. But as we find out a little bit later, that happened. So shortly after we put that message out, uh, Craig Derham, husband of Kelly, put a message on Facebook and it read like this. 
So tough day at the Durham House this morning when we heard from one in, one of Kelly's staff that a meeting was held without her present called by Erdem Konya and Nook and Ruska at which staff were told her contract has been terminated with immediate effect. Totally gutted and feel repulsed that she had to find out she had lost her job in this manner. Kelly then received an email 45 minutes later informing her that she was out of a job due to financial difficulties. I cannot elaborate too much on this as obviously she will be seeking legal advice but Kelly has asked me to thank the brilliant office team, players, football management, sponsors and fans she has worked with in the last nine years. She loves you all. So a, an interesting statement from Craig and pretty much summed up what had happened and there's, there's been no refute to that timeline having the, the, the staff found out before Kelly which is what has got fans absolutely furious um, but let's carry on with the timeline. So shortly after the club made a statement. And that said, Crawley Town has today terminated the contract between itself and operations director Kelly Derham. Kelly has been a stalwart of the club for nearly a decade and her efforts have been invaluable to the club. During her time with Crawley, Kelly has worked in the accounts as club secretary and as operations director. This has been a hugely difficult decision to make, but in light of the current financial challenges the club is facing, it is one that the club was forced into. Sorry, what? This is the first we've heard of this, haven't we? It, well, it was six days ago. <laughs> um, it continues, Kelly has been integral to several sponsorships and developments at our club, and she, has certainly, she can certainly be very proud of her achievements here. The club and everyone within it wishes Kelly nothing but the best for the future. No comments at the moment. Because we'll, we'll come Sorry, on to yes. <laughs> but you, you're saying what everybody else is saying. Um, Kelly then herself, a little bit later, she made a statement and it came out via the Crawley Observer. And it said this... I am devastated to be leaving my role as operations director at the club. It was really disappointing that the staff were told of the decision before I was told myself in an email from Nook and Ruska, one of the directors, 45 minutes later, citing financial difficulties. I cannot go into any more detail at this stage as I'm in discussions with my lawyer, but I would like to thank everyone who has helped me and the club over the last nine years. So at this point, it is kicking off on social media like I've not seen it kick off before. People are absolutely fuming um, at the way that this has happened to somebody so integral to the club. Crawley Town runs through a vein. She's part of the fabric of the office, has been for the last decade. Um, and it, it's it's going a little bit crazy. And I think they've made a, they, I think they must realise at the time, oh God, we've got this a little bit wrong. So very, very shortly after Kelly's statement, Hong Kong Paul gets involved for the first time. He gives his, his opinion on the matter um, and it goes like this. So he says, I'm shocked and appalled at the dismissal of Kerry Derham. Not only is this not in the best interest of Crawley Town Football Club, it's disrespect, disrespectful, disloyal and cruel. Kelly is family to me and they broke her heart today. This is not acceptable. I will still complete my purchase of the scoreboard with because I'm doing it for the fans and they need to pick me up more than ever. Any other financial support, including the training ground, will be on hold unless she is reinstated. I'm off Twitter for a few days, fuming. Wow, that, that is hefty news there from Paul. Yeah, so a lot of fans are chipping in now and a couple of players as well. Mark Connolly, most notably chips in, all right? He says on Twitter, I cannot believe the news about Kelly being sacked by Crawley Town. Football can be ruthless. Players come and go, but someone like Kelly Derham to that football club cannot be replaced. Whoever has made this decision has made a big mistake. I've known Kelly over two spells at the club. The first spell, it was a lot more straightforward, but the second spell, I can... I've seen how tough things were at times at the club, but she always stayed strong. The work she's done is nothing short of incredible. Thank you for everything, Kelly. 
So massive, massive endorsement from um, a, a, a huge Crawley player in Crawley's history as well. Um, jumping forward very quickly, the next day, Erdem Konya likes this comment from Mark on Twitter. Okay, um, so Mark has said, to paraphrase now, whoever's made this decision has made a big mistake. Um, it's it's a, a, a terrible decision, quite frankly. So, and he's saying by liking it, effectively, he agrees with Mark. It's a terrible and it's a big mistake. So we question this on, on our Twitter account and say, hang on a second, you're probably third, second, third person in charge at the club and he's liking this comment, okay? So to his great credit, Erdogan comes back and replies the next day. And he says, um, I liked Mark's comments as it underlines some of my feelings about the situation. However, I will not further comment on this. I wish Kelly all the best, health and happiness. I'm ever grateful for the chairman providing a record level of funding for this great football club. We have a job to do on the field and that's what I have to focus on. So fair play to him for coming back. But I think he made a bit of a mistake not maybe not in in liking the comment because that made it that well that it was the mistake because it made it public. But privately, if he feels that way, absolutely fine. That's respectful. But um, I think he put in his in his foot in it there. Um, but let's keep going on. We're going to come back to all of this and have conversations about it. Oh, I'm I'm raring with comments here and keep going. Fine. Um, right, and more credit now, even more to the CTSA. They very quickly that afternoon into the evening organised a meeting with Nukan and Erdem. Erdem was there via via voice chat that evening. Massive credit to them. And credit well, this is where the CTSA really do kick in, doesn't, aren't they? Absolutely. You know, this is and th and this is where they're very useful because nobody else could have had that conversation. To, so to Sam and the guys, well done. They had a meeting with the club to ask some questions. And it's a long statement. It's on their website. So I'm going to paraphrase a bit and just bullet point what came from that. So in short, with that meeting, they confirmed Kelly's departure. They confirmed Nukan Ruzgar as taking over responsibility of running the club off the field, Erdem the football side. Um, they questioned the club statement with financial challenges, and this is apparently written by lawyers, and that wording was a mistake. What a mistake. I mean, that is, that is a big mistake. And for, for lawyers to make a big mistake like that, wouldn't you then question the credibility of the lawyers? We will come on to that. So next up... They said there were no financial challenges and the club would simply like to go in a different direction. All right. CTSA question. And this was a brilliant question. Kelly's name was on the safety certificate for the stadium. But they said Nukun will replace her on that statement. Because without anybody on the safety certificate, games can't go ahead. That simple. Um, the CTSA also requested a fans forum and the club are going to look into it. OK, so there, there was a lot more than that. But that's the bullet points that I picked out by reading it that I thought was important. Now, the next day, the club released an updated statement, which went like this. We would like to clarify something mentioned in Tuesday's statement regarding the departure of Kelly Derham. We would like to assure all our supporters that although we are revising our financial management at the club, there's not any financial danger. This, this all seems very <laughs> messy to me, doesn't it? It seems a bit amateur, doesn't it? 
Crawley Town FC has received a record level of funding since 2015 and will continue to do so. The chairman, Zaya Erin, is fully committed to the cause and the project. The club held a productive meeting with members of the CTSA on Tuesday. We look forward to the continued loyal support of all our fans starting on Saturday against Port Vale. Um, I, I question record level funding because I don't know if Paul put in more. He put in a ridiculous amount to get us into League One. So I always, when I see the record level of funding, I'm always, mm, is, is that absolutely right? Um, next point. Now, this is where it goes in, starts going in different directions, okay? So Kelly sacked, um, citing financial difficulties, that was then retracted. So we don't know why Kelly was sacked yet. But on the 12th, so this was the Thursday, we speak, I speak to a member of staff at Crawley Town, a respectable senior member of staff, okay? And I am told there is chaos in the office at Crawley Town. Staff are threatening a, threatening a walkout. The safety approval has not been signed off yet. Therefore, the match could be played as it stands at that time behind closed doors because you can't get fans in if it's not safe. Okay. So after comments regarding authenticity and um, scaremongering. So this is from a lot of people obviously concerned at that tweet that we put out because uh, we, we, we mentioned it straight away because it was in the best interest of fans. Um, a couple of people came back and said, and I, I get it completely, that regarding have you got absolutely authenticity regards those comments and the answer is yes it was very respectable member of staff and they completely and utterly true and they saw it as maybe a bit of scaremongering on our behalf now to back that up because i take it on the chin and i completely agree for where they're coming from i then contacted and spoke to a second member of respectable and senior staff and they confirmed that the safety certificate was not yet signed off and the staff were still considering their options on whether they would walk out on Saturday. And this is all regards to the way the club has treated Kelly. That's why they're doing it, okay? And also, uh, we wouldn't put anything out on the podcast uh, Twitter account if we didn't fully believe that there was there was a strong element of truth in it. Absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain a bit later how we decide what goes out on a Twitter account, okay? Um, next up, the Observer. Speak to the club who deny these claims. And the clubs, as say, in the claims of the safety certificate not being signed. Yeah, as in our claims. Yeah. So, then of course the club deny. Of course they do. But a source at the club, a source at the club. They don't name who it is, which is really weird for the observer. But somebody at the club tells the observer that there would be a safety check in the norming in the morning, which is normal, and they are confident it will be fine. Is the quote. That doesn't give me a lot of confidence, but we know it went ahead. So this is hindsight now. The source at the club also told the Crawley Observer there was no staff walkout. All of staff members are in jobs and will be for the foreseeable future. The safety group will meet in the morning for the game. So th those statements that we are confident it will be fine and the staff have jobs for the foreseeable future. I find it very sort of flaky. I find it really odd. It's not they didn't come out and say this is rubbish. Game's on and all staff have got jobs for as long as they want them. It seems like they're almost protecting themselves for something that might yeah. happen in the future. Covering their backs a little bit, absolutely, definitely. So the next day, this is the day before the game now, um, we speak to another member of staff, I'm, I'm not saying which source, it could be the same person, and they then tell us that the safety certificate has been signed off. The staff, as a group, as a whole, sought the opinion of an individual on whether to walk out or not. 
that person advised them it wouldn't be in the best interest of the club and therefore on their advice they didn't walk out on Saturday okay um but they understood some protests were still planned for Saturday um, as in protests from the, from the staff yeah, or I, protests I think, from I think the it's fans? sort of like a bring Kelly back protest that sure. kind of things okay um so that's where we got to up until Saturday of course the game went ahead um and it wasn't the best game in the world but we played well against a, a team that in 10th position uh, could have won 2-0 with Oli Palmer's chances but that's by the by let's keep talking about what, what the, was the, the atmosphere like at the game with the fans and everything very quiet there were 1700 home fans 250 away and it wasn't quite quite when when Crawley had a good spell. Naturally, the the um the, the volume lifted and some chance got going. But there was an eerie anticipation, maybe of some protest, and so it was quieter than usual. But then again, it's winter, it's cold, it's nearly Christmas, it's dark. Um, th- it was a perfect storm of reasons not to come to the football club. So the attendance was down. You cannot attribute that to people staying away because they said they would because of Kelly being fired the way she did. Um, so it's pretty much a normal game for Crawley, really. I, I would have pred- predicted 2,000, and it was just a little bit less. So, yeah, you might have had sort of 20, 30 stay away, but not in the numbers I think some people were anticipating, but definitely a different atmosphere than usual. Um, so the only other bits we've got to sort of bring you up to date with, um, and th- this is regards to what we do and don't mention on our Twitter account, because we hear a lot of things and we don't mention all of them. We only, we filter them and tweet out the things that we think are in the best interest that people need to know. For example, Saturday night, we found out, sorry, Friday night, um, I was contacted and uh, given a tip off that Zaya Aaron was making a last minute flight to be at the game on Saturday morning to try and help sort out the mess, Okay. Was I found out that on Friday night, didn't bother tweeting it because I thought there's be, we've already tweeted so much and people have got so much information. I didn't want to get to the point where we're just mentioning everything that we hear. So I filtered that one out myself, didn't mention it until the next day at about half past one when I arrived. Um, I saw Jimmy was there as well. So I just thought I put a tweet out saying two new people at the game today, attendance is up by two, Zai Aaron's here and Jimmy Smith's here. Contrasting reactions to obviously those two guys being here. Um, and the next day, as in game day, there's Jimmy there, there's Zaya there, and um, then we go into the game. So that's the timeline up to match day and the match. But again, lots of conversations have come out of it and are still ongoing. Okay? Now, has anything happened since the match on Saturday to today now when we're recording on Monday? I spoke to a couple of people at the game on Saturday. I spoke to a lot of people, to be fair, on Saturday. I spoke I spoke to Erdem. I spoke to Alan Williams with there. I spoke to Jimmy Smith. We've got you working hard for the podcast, I spoke to we? Sam Jordan, Nick Hilton, and and everybody's still a bit... The, the situation's just a bit odd. It, something doesn't sit right with it still. So, first of all, before we have conversations about all these talking points and we look through them, um, just to clarify how we pick and choose and decide to filter out sources and information that we get when we put something out on our twitter account we we receive information from a source now immediately we know if that is a reliable source that constantly gives us information and it's 99 percent always accurate it's almost immediately we'll go yeah that's absolutely fine we'll take that information we'll do a quick little bit of research just to back it up maybe ask a second opinion of somebody who is not connected to that person but we'll know if they can confirm that or not then we'll release it if dave in the pub says his cousin heard that jimmy smith has broken his leg and he's coming back to quality but not until november then it's dismissed straight away. We don't put out rubbish. The information we get, 
thank I mean I consider it lucky now didn't realize it at the time but you can only sort of join the dots going backwards I worked at the club for six years, made a lot of friends, made a lot of contacts, and I've maintained those relationships with pretty much everybody, okay? So the sources we've got are still senior member of people at the club or former senior member of staff at the club or reliable contacts of those contacts in, in kind of different directions. So if we tweet from our Twitter account a rumour that we've heard, we believe that as far as we can gather, it is correct. Either we've heard it from a reliable source or we've gone straight to the people involved as we did with the staff within the club when we find out about the chaos, the walkout, the safety certificate. That came from directly from within the club, not a third party. Um, we filter it as best we can. I don't think we've ever got anything massively wrong. Most of what we say does come to light or become true in the next 24 hours. Um, and we want to be that absolutely fact factual accurate source of information we, we never ever want to or intend to become however oh, this room let's put out for the sake of it just to stir things up we don't do anything to stir we put things out there because we believe it's true we've got the best information we possibly can um and it's in the best interest of people to know these things and that's how that's how we put our, our messages out and if there's other things that we hear, which are maybe more discussion points and not time sensitive, we'll we'll add it into a podcast, for instance. So like the, the Hong Kong pool potentially looking to put an offer in on the club. We don't know whether that is fully true yet or not. We weren't fully uh, behind when we were told that information. And so we didn't put it out as a tweet because that would stir up something. We decided to discuss it in a podcast where we can say, look, we've heard this, but we're not actually 100% certain this is a thing. We're going to just discuss it. Yeah, because you knew about that Hong Kong pool potential bid for the club like two, three weeks ago. But we, we sat on it for a little while, or you did at least, tried to get a bit more information. Then we thought that this is all the information we've got. By the way, this is what we've heard may or may not be true but generally we will let you know when we doubt something ourselves and you can make your own mind up and you can make your own mind up about absolutely everything um right moving on so first of all i think it's very very important to note talking about kelly's dismissal that zaya erin he owns a business that is crawley town football club he can hire and fire whoever he wants as a businessman okay we're not disputing that whatsoever the fury and the upset is about the way it was done. That's what people are really angry about. Um, so telling the staff first before they tell the, the Kelly herself. Disgusting. And, Di and that's not a way to do it. Even if it's someone you've just hired for six months, you don't do that. Let alone someone who's been there for nearly a decade or so, right? And is so integral to the club. That's even more outrageous. And... Uh, I don't think Zaya and co knew how much the fans love Kelly. I don't think there's many operations directors of football clubs in the UK that fans are so passionate about and loyal towards. She's been that good. Um, so I think they dropped the ball massively there. And I think they are clearly regretting it. Um, the, the massive, the biggest question about all this is, we do not know yet why Kelly was sacked. Okay, because the original statement said financial challenges, financial difficulties, call it what you like. That was then retracted. It's not been replaced with anything. Why was she sacked? We don't know. And we haven't been told why. Of course, we, we would love to have Kelly on the show. Absolutely. She can't come on because it's going through a legal process at the game on Saturday. 
I was I was actually I spoke to him on the phone the day before, but then followed up on Saturday and said, look, we are recording Monday night. We'd love to have you on the show. If you want to come and clear the air and get your point of view across. Um, of course, you had to consider that. And Erdem hate to be in his position at the moment because he, of course, is loyal to Zaya Erin. He, of course, wants to be loyal to the fans. If he comes on here and he says, look, it was a bad decision. What's Zaya going to think? Mm. I, I, I think his, his position at the moment is is terrible. I hate to be in there. Um, and he's taken a lot of stick on social media. And the reason Erdem has taken all the stick is because Zaya's not on Twitter, right? He's not on any social media. So people cannot reach Zaya. All they can do is go via Erdem. So he's getting the brunt of it. Well, he's getting 99% of it. So whether it's a message to Zaya, no matter what, it's going to look like a message to Erdem. But that's more than likely just... I don't think this was Erdem's decision to, to sack Kelly. Um, Erdem has told me personally... You think it came from the top, from Zaya? Absolutely, yeah. I don't see where else it would come from. I, I, I genuinely do not think Erdem um, was in approval of this. I think the liking of Mark com- Mark's comments um, backed that up. But he had to cover his back again when he replied to that saying, look, I agree to some of what Mark said. Didn't specifically say what part of he liked. But um, I, after speaking to Erdem, I genuinely don't think he was in approval of Kelly being sacked. And I might be way off the mark, but when you speak to somebody in person, you, you kind of can feel what they're saying. Um, so I think it came from higher. Erdem is the full guy, unfortunately, and he's getting a lot of stick for it because he, he is effectively the spokesperson or the ambassador in person for the chairman. Therefore, he, he's he, he's the brick wall in front of Zaya Erin and he's going to get the shit that's thrown at it, unfortunately for him. And so we did ask multiple people to come on this podcast, uh, you know, from the club, like you've mentioned as well. I think it is a little bit too soon that there are still a lot of proceedings going on that we, we can't get anyone officially here to respond to questions we're having. So I, I guess you could maybe treat this podcast as more of a discussion rather than us slating people behind their backs. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So we still don't know why Kelly was sacked because, again, financial challenges, that was retracted. Who knows? Um, the legal process going on quite clearly. But even the way she was sacked, I'm not an HR expert, right? But as far as I'm aware, verbal warning. Written warning, firing. It doesn't seem like she got that as far as we're aware. Even their statement says, look, we're just cutting ties straight away. Um, when you when you sack somebody, I think it's 12 weeks pay, you give them three months notice and off they go. I can understand why you don't keep somebody in the job during those 12 weeks and give them notice. By the way, this is your three months. You can work it out if you want to. But if that person's still in the club, then they can feed off data to other sources, etc., etc. So that's why she went straight away. Do we know if Kelly is still being paid? Or is it just no, no idea cut? whatsoever. No, I don't think that's kind of information anybody anybody can share. Um but maybe in future we'll get Kelly on once this is all sort of um the dust has finally settled and we'll we'll um we'll get her. Um so next uh what else? it opens up more conversation. So that the Kelly situation, as far as we're aware, is sort of being dealt with legally, and we'll try and update you as much as we can. But again, like we said, a lot more conversations come of this. So the first big one is, it's a conversation about the club's financial situation. So they made possibly the worst statement error in the club's history by having those two words, financial challenges. Because all of a sudden, alarm bells are ringing, aren't they? Of course they are, because you, you think of Berry and you think of Bolton, and you think, oh, Jesus, no. And that's been retracted. It was retracted fairly quickly. They, they mentioned that it was written by lawyers, that original statement. Sack those lawyers. What on 
earth? Who vetted that? Who looked at it? I, I, I'm fairly certain Bruce can't have looked at that because he would have surely pulled out those comments. And quickly, we're getting Bruce on early in the new year. Bruce is coming on the show. He's going to hopefully reveal a lot more as well. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, First podcast of 2020? Possibly. Maybe, maybe, maybe first or, or Well, that will make up for the error of the uh, podcast 20 in 2020, I there think. There you go. Um, so, I mean, it, it just just terrible. So, alarm bells rang. The, the Observer got in touch. Fans went into overdrive on Facebook, the CTSA, and on Twitter. And the club come out and say, oh, it was a mistake. We didn't mean to say that. <laughs> oh, my God. It's not <laughs> something you can just wipe off that easily, is it? Financial difficulty. And also... If you're being so blasé about the matter, it's not something to be blasé about because then it's, you're going to worry even more. It's like saying, um, oh, the chairman's dead. Oh, no, sorry. He's just got a headache. Got that wrong. Sorry, just got a headache. Um, ridiculous. But they've retracted it. But it's still floating around. Is there financial challenges? Is there financial difficulty? Why did Kelly get sacked? If it was, I'm sure she was on a fairly decent wage. But we've got 33 players. We've got we've got f- a manager, five coaches, three analysts. Probably got one of the biggest backroom staffs in the team in, in the league. So it, that says to me, if we've got all those members of staff, and of course you could you can cut off any member of staff and just pay them off. I'm sure Kelly's going to be paid off at some point, some way. Um, so that says to me, there isn't any financial difficulty at the moment. We know we've got this, in inverted commas, record level of funding, and that's continuing. And we must say on this podcast clearly, thank you to Zaya Erin for all his investment. This has got nothing to do with that. Um, and we are eternally grateful because if we haven't got Zaya, we've got to find another rich person. Because every single football club in the UK, um, apart from a few fan-owned ones, it, it, it's all football clubs are just toys for rich people. Thank- I was going to say, thankfully, some- we have a rich person. So- something on this, though. Yes, I am very, very thankful for Zaya. But I can't help but feel that Zaya doesn't see this club as his rich toy to play with. I feel like he sees it as as a full-on business that he's got to run and, and break even every year with. And that means finding hidden gems in the lower leagues for nothing and selling them on for a profit. And he has to sell them on for a profit. Otherwise, there's cuts that have got to be made and he's got to make a, a profit every year. Otherwise, he's got to make cuts somewhere to break even. And I don't know whether that's not what's happening, but that's what I feel is happening. Yeah, absolutely fair. Um, it, we don't know is the answer, really, do we? Um, what I want what I'll come on to next, first of all, in terms of financial um, repercussions of this, uh, Paul put his tweet out that we've already read regards um, retracting his funding for the training ground, which was poten- potentially sort of between like one and two million pounds. Well, yeah, that was the that was the the number sort of that come to my mind thinking back now. What an own goal that is! I mean, w- would they have known? Would Paul have told them? That um, if, if they did tell him that, oh, by the way, we're sacking Kelly and he got involved and said you shouldn't be doing this, would it have been a bargaining chip to say, right, if you sack Kelly, I'm pulling my funding? Or did they know or did they assume he still would? Um, but either way, Paul will still pay for the scoreboard, which was £45,000. Yeah, I around think. that figure. Um, which he's still going to pay for, and that is kind of on its way. Um, but with all this going on, was Kelly involved in the purchase of that? Who knows? And maybe it's been slowed down. Again, it's another thing, another sort of knock-on. Um, so he's still buying that, but he's until Kelly is reinstated, his words, that funding is pulled. So do you think Paul was told about the sacking of Kelly 
before Kelly found out? Was he included in that original staff group? I, I, I would imagine Paul would have been one of the very first to know because even staff that are still at Crawley Town now, they still speak to Paul. They know Paul. They can get in touch with him whenever they want. Um, if one of the staff, as we understand it via Craig, went straight to Kelly and said, by the way, we've just been told you're being sacked, um, I believe Kelly may have spoken straight to Paul to say, this is ridiculous. What's going on? Did you know? What What do I do? So Paul would have been one of the very first to know whether he knew before even the staff were told. Not entirely sure. Um, but maybe Paul's going to be a guest in the new year as well. Uh, we, I'll come on to You're this. dropping all the bombshells, we, Ewan. We've got some great guests coming up, basically. Um, two more that I'll mention a little bit later as well. Um, so another funding, not crisis, but a, a, another ball dropped in terms of that's between one and two million pounds lost because of this decision. Um, now, the man replacing Kelly, okay, Nukem Ruzgar. Before this happened, I had to remind myself, or try and think, have I heard his name before? Because he's one of those people that's down as a director at the football club, but he's like, he's one of those names that's just a... Um, another, fills the sheet. Yeah, just like a foreign name that fills the sheet that you never really heard much about. Obviously, Erdem, Salim, Zai, yeah, they're the names you hear very often, but there's two more on there, including Emre... Um, Emery Erin and, and uh, Nuka Rizga. Okay, but you never really think of it because in the background, just sort of fill in space on the, on the sheet. But he has taken over Kelly's role, okay, which raises the question, what authority or experience does he have to take Kelly's role? Well, Jonathan, somebody has done incredible research Incredible. I'm about to go through it, okay? They and is this is a private source into straight red? Private or? private source. Um, somebody's done their research, shared it with me. Of course, asked them not to quote. And going back to our sources, um, we always get their permission before we share something. So we, so I will say, let's say I get a message from a source and say, they've told me this. And I say, can I share that without quoting you? And they go, yes. Yeah. So we get permission as well, first of all. So I've had permission to share this research that's been done. Frightening. Okay, listen to this. So this is information and notes on Nukun Rizga, born October 1979. Wow, we've gone deep here. <laughs> so the club website describes the board of directors as Zaya Salim, Emre Erin, Nukun Rizga. A check on company site indicates that actually neither Emre Erin or Rizga are registered as directors. He is, however, listed as a director of Crawley Town Community Foundation, a separate business, all right? So it's unclear whether Ruzga has actually passed the owners and directors test. We don't know that. Maybe somebody at the club can clarify. The only other reference to Ruzga a company says is as a sole owner of Bridge Sports Consultancy Limited registered um, in Pound Hill Crawley, of which Ruzga is the sole shareholder. The company was founded recently on the 2nd of December 2019, the same day Chioffi was dismissed. That's a bit odd, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Ruzga describes to the CTSA his experience in Turkish football as running Kardemir Karabukspor. I don't know if I've said that right. Between 2004 and 2009 and Kayaseri Eriksispor from 2013 onwards. Um, the latter club, which, which is Erin Zaya was uh, president of. Okay. Um, Re Kardemir, that first club, research indicates the club exists and did in the period in question, mainly playing in the Turkish first and second leagues, equivalent to the championship in League One. There is no online mention of Ruzgar in connection with the club. Regards Kayseri Eriksapur, the second team. 
Media articles online make reference as follows. In 2014, he was general manager. In 2016, he was sporting director. In 2016, he was also appointed president. Um, and it suggests in the, in the absence of in succession to Zaya Erin. At that time, Rusgar resigned. It is reported that the players were not paid. The club had a transfer ban and had been deducted nine points. The club was saved from closure due to involvement from volunteers. The performance of Kayseri, the club, during the time Rusgar was involved, 2013 to, 2000 to 2017, was as follows. 14-15 season in the Turkish Premier League, Super League, relegated. Next season in the First League, relegated. Next season in the Turkish Second League, relegated. Next season in the Turkish Third League, relegated. relegated. Uh. <laughs> Next season in the 2018-19 season, placed in the regional amateur league but withdrew okay that, 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 this is an experience in football how right? can you continue on that long at a club um, in 2016 he is quoted in an article as saying um, he did not want to go to Crawley Town and he was committed to aforementioned club a subsequent press article dated July 2019 listed Rusgar as one of 23 officials being pursued over social, social security debts of the club Nothing online or said by Rudsgar indicates any previous experience and skills in running a League Two professional football team. End. Yeah, wow, I'm I'm getting a bit chilly listening <laughs> to that. <laughs> Feel like I'm in some sort of uh, crime investigation room listening to this. No, we absolutely invite the club to come back and say that isn't true, this is the absolute facts. But, but but not just say, yeah, it's not true. Give us some sort of information to back yeah. this up. Uh, d deny that with other information. But somebody has done their research, shared it with us, that's what we've got, okay? Um, do you I, I find that frightening. And everybody should be concerned. Yeah, no, very much so. And I mean, I feel like from, from that information, it kind of, well, I, I want to address it because I feel like some people may feel it, that we're giving the, the impression that we are now, that we're involved with this man, that we're now going to start being relegated and, and find financial troubles. And I, d I don't think you're trying to imply that, Ewan, but it's definitely interesting to hear that this man has not had much successful um, dealings with previous football clubs. We provide the information. You make your reminder what you want to take of it. That, that's what we do as a podcast. As a source of information, as a Twitter account, we say, we've been provided this information. Now you can have it. Here it is. Make your mind up. Okay. And obviously we're going to give our opinions. And like I said, that, that is frightening information if it is true. We invite the club to come back and say, that's not true. This is correct. Sort of open, open call. Um, right. So that is who, as far as we're aware, who Nukan Rizgar is. That man has taken over the position not directly as operations director, but as we understand, he is now running the off-field operations at Crawley Town Football Club. Kelly, who has been with the club a decade, knows the club inside out, completely passionate about the club, um, done a fantastic job during some very, very difficult times. Um, and th this is what we've got instead. And also, we don't have Bruce anymore, who is general manager, because he's just left anyway, yeah. aside from all of this. Bruce was actually general manager last year. This year, his title was converted back to communications manager. Sure. Um, but yeah, has held that position previously. So that's two senior members of the team. Yes, it, it is very, very worth saying. Got to point it out. Bruce leaving 
totally unrelated to Kelly's. Bruce handed in his notice, I believe, about six weeks ago. He's gone down to work at Brighton. Do, do not make any connection between Bruce going and Kelly going. Um, I understand that there is a third member of staff leaving or on the verge of very and, soon. And is this one connected to Kelly? Um, the 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 story is not connected whatsoever, as far as I'm aware. I'm sure we'll find out if when they leave. We might even get on the podcast, hoping to get Bruce on, hoping to get Kelly on one day. And this third member of staff, um, it'll it'll be a third blow, most definitely a third blow. Um, but of course, not a chance that we're going to report who who it might be. But um, yeah, it, there's a third person on the verge of um, going out in in the near future. Um, so the heart of the club disappearing. It, it, it's really, as a fan, um, you can sit back and say, I've, I've seen comments online saying, doesn't matter who comes and goes, the football club's always going to be there. Um, the, the managers or the owners are just trying to get the right people for the job, which I think is a very short-sighted statement because these people are doing a great job. Of course, go back to it, the club can fire and hire whoever they want. Bruce has left of his own accord, so that's irrelevant to this conversation. They can fire and hire whoever they want, but they cannot expect the fans not to be concerned when you take one away who has been very good and you replace it with what is seemingly uh, an inferior um, replacement. Yeah, and also the community aspect of the club. Crawley is renowned for its community spirit and being a club where people know you know, every everyone around on a match day. And, and now you're just removing these people and replacing them with people who we've never heard of or, or seen before or even come from the area. People that know know how it works. It's, it's that simple. And we, like we said in the last podcast, episode 19, um, Crawley Can came 16th on the engagement list. Both of these people that have just gone are pivotal to that engagement. Kelly was incredibly sort of um, engaging with the fans on a match day. Um, she was absolutely brilliant, as was Bruce. Any, either of them, Anybody could get in touch and speak directly to them. We don't know if that's going to be the case moving forward. Um, and the position for Bruce, as I understand it, on the website at least, I thought Tom might take over that position, although he's marketing manager, he does a lot of comms as well. But on the website at least at the moment today, um, that position is currently vacant as it, as it stands on the staff website. Are they advertising for someone to replace? I haven't seen any advertisement. That doesn't mean you can do internal recruitment and um, that kind of thing or, or using agencies or who knows. Maybe they've put a, a message out to the Football League saying there's a message, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it in the Crawley Preserve job section. We'll find <laughs> out if it is or not. Um, a couple of other things coming from it. Um, just from the game on Saturday, really, because these are all open-ended conversations we're having because there's still, nothing's closed off yet. Still information to be provided. Another talking point um, is Jimmy Smith was at the game on Saturday. Did you say hello? I did say hello. I went up and spoke to him. I, said, I spoke to him very briefly because he, he, he was in a conversation with um, Dallas, I think, or somebody. And I said, um, Jimmy... Just awesome to see you. Thank you. Great to see you back. Um, now, I didn't have a long chat, but apparently somebody else did because a, a fan on a social media channel has said, had a chat with Jimmy at half time today, said he was fully fit and would love to come back to the club. His knee is fine. Um, please take note, Mr. Yems. He would make a big difference to the team. Undoubtedly. Absolutely Undoubtedly. And is his loan due up in January? We believe so, yeah. I, th I think it's January the 4th um, and there was no recall option in that. So we didn't play on Saturday for Yeovil. We didn't play, I think Yeovil played a cup game. I think they're still in the leasing.com trophy. They played another game last week and he didn't play in that. Apparently that was via injury though. But he's telling us on Saturday he was fully fit. Uh, apparently, this, again, this is one source saying I had a chat with Jimmy um, and he said he was fully fit. So I'm not saying he's fully fit. He, he looked, he was stood up 
That's all I can say. He was stood up on his and two And smiling. Legs and smiling, yeah. Um, seemed, seemed fairly pleased to be there. Um, so who knows with Jimmy? I think every, everybody would sort of fairly uh, give a, a rejoice if Jimmy came back. He's the kind of player we need at the moment. Um, if, we, if we just jump to the game very quickly because we're at that stage in the chronology. Would it re- redeem your trust in the club if they were to bring back Jimmy or would you still, you know, not forget about what happened here? No, I don't think, I think Jimmy coming back would um, shadow it slightly and sort of maybe bury it. You always try and give a shit sandwich, don't you? If you know some bad news is coming out, you give the club, you give out some great news, give them the crap news and then give them some good news again and try and hide it in the middle. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy coming back would be great news. It wouldn't hide what's going on because all of these conversations, as we've just said, are open-ended. Nothing is finished yet. We don't know why Kelly was sacked. We don't know enough about Nook and Ruska. We're still a bit shaky on the financial thing because just the way they quoted it themselves. I think they, I think they know they've got a problem with their communications at the moment. And with Bruce gone, who was the, basically the copywriter and, and sort of vetted everything, with him gone, there's nobody doing that job at the moment. So those those odd communications, as far as we're aware, are, are going to be ongoing. Um, so so yeah, every everything's open and hopefully Jimmy comes back. Looking at the game on Saturday, like I just mentioned, we would. Um, we we should have be, we should have beaten Port Vale, no doubt whatsoever. Ollie Palmer should have got one, if not two, twice. He was round the keeper, last defender. Um, could have just gone for a dink, but he tried to take it round that defender. Could have laid it off as well. Um, Nathan Ferguson, a cracking shot from 25 yards, rattled the crossbar, went about 30 foot in the air, then just landed on the top of the net behind. Good chance. Um, Glenn Morris got man of the match, which is fair enough. Clean sheet, second clean sheet in a row. Cannot remember the last time we had two clean sheets in a row. Um, I think it was a bit unfair. Again, this is poor, poor comms from the club, I think. They put out a tweet afterwards saying, Glenn Morris got man of the match. Do you agree? Wrong way to word it. Glenn Morris got man of the match. Who was yours? Is the be- is a better way yeah, of wording definitely. that because a lot of people came back and said no, and Glenn was copied into that. His, his handle was on that tweet, so he's got lots of fans saying now, no, he wasn't man of the match, which is not a negative. He got a clean sheet, that's great. I messaged him after the game saying, congrats on a second clean sheet, absolutely brilliant. We're clearly making some progress, and um, but all he's seeing is no, 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 no. Instead of, I think it should have been X, Y, Z. It, it should have been. It should have been either Danny Borman or Joe McNerney. Joe had a great game in the back. Um, and I think him and Tunnicliffe are now are the new Tunnicliffe and Dallison. I think Dallison's got issues coming back into this team now. Because uh, Joe's Joe's been back in for two games. We've had two clean sheets. That that's the best stat that can possibly be. New possi- manager as well. Yeah, and that's the best stat that can possibly be for a defender. Um, clean sheet. Can't beat it. Um uh, oh, somebody I've got to mention, and and you can laugh at this and say I'm a fan, but Again, the fact that nobody said anything. Is it? Is it Lewis? It is Lewis Young. <laughs> Two clean sheets in a row, and he's been been playing right back. And do you know what? He, he's not going as forward as much, which I've noticed because you got now um, sort of Reese Gregor Cox and and, and Bezler Bala and um, people running forward. He doesn't need to run forward as much. And you've only got one sort of holding midfielder, which is Danny Bowen. If you get Jimmy Smith back in the game, have another sort of like a not as not as an attacking midfielder, but somebody that really holds the centre, you might see Lewis Young going down the right again. But he's definitely playing in more of a right, a, a traditional right back position. And he's done absolutely fine. He's done absolutely fine. The same with Doherty on the left back position. Um, goes quite far up the field, but playing a traditional left-back role because he's got people in front of him that can run forward. He doesn't need to as much. Um, so I think the way John Yems has set up with them, um, it, it, it's definitely, people have said the word lots of times, more compact. It definitely feels that way. 
Um, but th- there's still not that quality in the final third and in the box and just getting the ball in the back of the net. It's two clean sheets, yes, but it's also two games where we failed to score when we certainly should have against Port Vale. And, you know, when you when you get one, then hopefully they start rolling in. You get two and three in the next couple of games. But um, it, it, it's unfortunate to say that two games of nil-nil, it's actually progress. Um, well, it kind of matches up with what Yem said a couple of matches ago in his first match in charge, where he was saying, we, we you know, we got to start off with one point. We'll fight to keep that point and then build on that. So he yeah. very much looking, I think, to build some sort of stability there, keep that clean sheet. He probably realises that Crawley have got an issue with scoring goals. Will he do something about that in January then? Well, see, Jimmy Smith can score goals. He's shown that over as well. I know it's not quite the same as Crawley, but he's, he was scoring goals at Crawley. Um, clearly had an, an, there clearly was an upset with um, the manager, even though nothing was ever officially announced. Um, and he was scoring goals. He left. He's scoring goals still at Yeovil. If he's going to come back, you've got to think he's he's not like he's not like a dozen a season, but he brings a lot of confidence to the team as as captain, and he will score five or six between now and the end of the season if he comes back, and he will get some assists. Um, and just I mentioned Philippe Moraes very quickly because he's he's a player in the same sort of mould that that sort of um, midfielder who can run forward but also uh, can instill a lot of confidence in the centre, especially when there's young players um, in all directions around him. Um, and just about relationships with, with Choffy, not that I want to mention his name for any particular reason, but um, we actually had, and I, I can say this now, I've been wanting to say this for like four episodes, but bef- now Bruce has gone and now Choffy's gone, I can say this. We actually had Philippe Moraes lined up to be a guest on this show. Had it confirmed with Bruce that he could come on. Had I'd spoken to Philippe twice. He was really happy and, and keen looking forward to come on. And the day before the show, Gabriel Choffy blocked it, said he can't come on. Was there any reason? Uh, you can only put it down to relationship. And I think it, it was only a month or two after that Philippe questioned him in that newspaper article where he was questioning the, the direction of where the club was going under Gabriel Choffey. I forget. I'm not going to quote anything because I can't remember anything, but it, it was that in general. He a little was bit too loose lip for Choffey. Yeah, he, was, he just wasn't sure about where whether we were improving as a team, I think it was. Um, somebody can correct me if they if they want to, but he questioned Gabriel Choffey, and I don't think Gabby wanted him coming on our show or our podcast to then repeat anything like that or 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 just put any words out there that weren't um, in support of him or or where the team was heading. So we had Philippe lined up day before. Gabby pulled that, so we didn't have Philippe on. Couldn't mention it till now because Bruce was still there and Gabby was still there till a couple of weeks ago. But that was disappointing. I don't think we'll we'll ever get him on now. But hopefully we can get Jimmy on. Now Choffy's gone and he can actually say something. Look, we've heard rumours that it was this or that. Can you confirm? And hopefully he can. But um, in, in terms of guests, last this I know this has gone on for a while now. Didn't intend it to be this long. But in terms of guests, yes, we're going to get Bruce on in the next few episodes in the new year. Spoke to him at the game, his last game um, on Saturday. Also spoke to John Barnett's going to come on former Crawley Town commentator, very, very opinionated fan on Crawley. But um, he he is keen to come on. People know who John is, of course. You'll know the voice if you don't know the face when he comes on. Um, And also, Harry Maynard, very keen to come on the show. Another very opinionated Crawley Town fan. And the reason I'd be really excited to get Harry on is because he doesn't necessarily ever agree with our point of view. And that is what we need. Because my opinion, we don't really vary too much our opinion. We might 
give a yes or a no to a particular thing. But we'd apart ju- from Chuffy and Chuffy out, yeah, for, for, for <laughs> about a year we were different on that. But again, eighty percent yes, yeah. we're generally and we speak for the majority of fans. I'd like to say, but um, Harry's somebody that has very passionate opinions and isn't afraid to say them either, even if they go against the grain, which I think is really important. Can't wait to have him on the show because then we can have a proper discussion, which isn't just me and you agreeing on something. Um, And I think the same with John Barnett as well. I think I've said or we've said things on Twitter and he's completely disagreed. We've we've said things on the podcast and he has disagreed, which I think is why it's so important to get people that disagree with us um, to some extent on the show. So I'm really looking forward. Bruce is coming on, Harry's coming on and John Barnett's coming on in the near future. Well, I would disagree with you to give you a different opinion on the podcast, but I 100% agree with you with that. Yeah, it's great to have people on with different opinions. Hang on, hang on. Breaking news. Oh. And this is live. This is 7.15pm. I've just, I've just got a tweet from somebody that said, um, can you believe that was the press release? So hang on. I'm, I'm going to just... If it's on... Yeah, so we were expecting a press release by the club to be released today talking about everything that's been going on Absolutely. to give us a nice sum up. We hadn't received it as of yet, but like you say, Ewan, 7.15pm, something has been released. Hopefully. I mean, when we say... I spoke to Erdem at the game, right? And he said, Zai's here for a couple of days and we're going to be making a statement shortly. On BBC Sussex News this morning... And this is, this is Monday, guys, in case you're listening to it after this day, of course. And it will be because it's not going to act tomorrow, at least. And this is Monday. And it was said on BBC Sussex News this morning that there will be a club statement today. All we've had so far is the um, bloody Christmas opening hours. <laughs> and I, d- I don't think that was Zaya's statement. Um, and there's nothing on Twitter... And that's it. No, there is no statement. So um, was it just the Christmas opening hours? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh wow. So that was it. Who knows? Um, really, really odd. So we'll wait for that. By the time this gets released, however quickly you can edit it, Jonathan, um, then there might have been something. So you might be more up to date than this absolute podcast. And there's one last. Uh, I mean, are you are you done for now? Got any questions at all? I've oh, only had one other question, what? and that was: it'll be very interesting to see. And I don't know what you think about this, Ewan, whether. This situation that's now happened in the back room, whether this will now affect the performances on the pitch, I would like to say it won't, but it'll maybe show us how deep-rooted all of this is. I think the players are completely detached from what's going on in the office, to be honest. Then that's for the best. Um, a fan even mentioned that they went down to watch the training um, on the day that also was happening and they looked absolutely fine and good confidence. Going to the game very quickly. First half was rubbish from both teams. Second half, Crawley were by far the better team. Didn't get the win, but it was encouraging. Didn't look like it affected them whatsoever. Um, so going forward, I, I wouldn't anticipate. Nathan Ferguson did have an interview after the game with, I don't know whether it was with the club or I'm guessing it was more likely to be the observer or somebody. And he was asked, um, how does the off the field um, situation affect the players this week? And he said, basically, it doesn't. And we just concentrate on football, which is exactly the answer you want to hear from the fans. And one last thing I want to mention on this podcast, because, again, this is all open ended in podcast episode 21 in the new year. We'll come back to it all and see where we are. But for now, I want to close with something that, to be honest, I'm sorry I missed at the end of the last podcast. Um, and, I, and I feel terrible about it. We mentioned the passing of former Reds manager Brian Sparrow, when we, and we gave sort of a message that was on the, the Twitter, uh, the Twitter, the club account. What we missed, and again, apologies. Also, incredibly sadly, it's been a terrible last sort of fortnight for Crawley Town. We also had the passing 
of Reds fan Sarah Page and Suel Delgado, who was a former player in the club's Community Foundation. So if it's okay, Jonathan, I'm going to read out this statement from the club website just to keep everybody up to date um, with, with the sad news so everybody's everything's sort of covered. So as we already knew from episode 19, Brian was Reds manager when the club reached the third round of the FA Cup in 1991-92 in and also played for the club. Sarah was a lifelong Crawley Town fan who attended home and away games. Her brother Kevin said, Sarah's love affair for Crawley Town goes back to the Town Mead days when she accompanied our granddad Alf to watch them in the old Southern League, the days of John Maggs in goal, Dave Haining at fullback. She then helped Sue and Ellen in the T-bar, but her true home was in the cave shed behind the goal. I'm not sure if it was the football that kept her going back or Dave Meyer's tight shorts or Alan Lester's swept haircut in the late 1980s. She then took her loyalties to the People's Pension Stadium or the Broadfield and watched Crawley Town make it into the Football League finally. She made many friends along the way and over the last few years she was never far away from behind the goal with her nephew Josh and partner Steve and her son Bradley when he could make it. Just as importantly she was with her football family and I'm sure she will be missed by many and will leave a massive hole on the terrace. Town team together, come on you Reds. Um, Suell was 20 when he died in Brighton following a car accident earlier this month. He was a member of the Foundation's football squad and a former pupil at Thomas Bent Community College. He also played locally for several non-league clubs, including Loxwood FC. So Brian Sparrow, Sarah Page, Suell Delgado, um, all lost in the space of the last month, all incredibly sad. And there was very appropriately a, a minute's applause at the game against Port Vale, which um, was observed I impeccably. Um, there, there was a tribute on, on the terrace stand as well, which I saw a photo of, which was um, some flowers and, and a shirt. I'm not sure if it was belonging to Sarah, but that, that was on the stand as well, which I thought was absolutely, absolutely lovely. Um, and again, it, it's amongst all this negativity and amongst all this gloom that although there's sadness, that the club comes together and um, holds each other's hand when we're in these moments of um, un un sadness and reflection. Yeah, no, that's very well put and quite a sombre podcast really to end 2019. But like you say, Ewan, it's very much a promising to see the club still pull together as we come into this festive period of, of which is all about coming together and, and celebrating a wonderful time of the year. Absolutely. Like we said on episode 19, December is massively important for every football club. We've got six games in 20 days. One of them's gone. We've got, 20, we've got one point from it already and we could do with six or seven more. But um, most importantly, as we mentioned a few times, the, the, the really important thing to remember is amongst all this, what's going on behind the scenes of the club, we are, uh, I'm not really now, it's difficult to say the words Town Team Together and use that hashtag when, when the club itself has treated a member of staff and somebody that was so important to the club the way they have. But maybe we've got to go back to it and say it is about Town Team Together and, and rallying around each other when, when the players need our support most. Maybe we're obviously furious with what's gone on, very unhappy, but at the end of the day, that the football club, as it, it, in its in itself in its own right, is the most important thing, and we've we've all undoubtedly support um, a positive direction going forward from wherever that comes from, and whenever these conversations are closed off, and we can all move to forward together um, in in a in the in the right and positive direction. So, you and I think that probably concludes the final additional podcast for this year i wasn't expecting to do another one but here we are unless something absolutely ridiculous happens oh no he said it again <laughs> we're gonna be in on christmas we day are, we are we are not here again before 2020 <laughs> 
So from you and myself, thank you so much for listening again to uh, the Straight Road podcast. Thanks for joining us for another year. And again, if you are joining us more recently as a new listener, welcome to the podcast. And we look forward to bringing you into 2020 with some exciting interviews, which Ewan has just dropped for the first time for me hearing and first time for you hearing as well. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a great 2019. Let's make 2020 an even better one. We'll be back in three or four weeks or so. We'll let you know via, keep on touch with us via Twitter. Um, any questions, any feedback, let us know. Tell your friends. We seem to get one new listener every episode, Lewis. Let's keep that going. Um, and yeah, we'll be in touch with you soon with all the latest Crawley Town news. So from you and myself, Merry Christmas and town team together. Merry Christmas. Goodbye. <laughs>